Greetings to my church family at St. Paul's Lutheran on the corner of Bull and Blanding, as well as other family members and friends. Thanks so much for joining me this Wednesday, October 21st, 2020. Our Bible study and reflection today focuses on humility. I invite you to share this podcast with family and friends. Let us begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace be with you. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father and most gracious God, we come to you today a little tired, impatient, and at times anxious as we navigate this unsettling season we are living in. Please forgive us for forgetting at times that you will help us navigate these unprecedented times. Lord, help us to remember all the people that are on the front line of this pandemic and be thankful and grateful for their service. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I did a little research on the definition for humility in the Webster's Dictionary. It says, humility is the state of being humble, absence of vanity or excessive pride. Makes sense. Another definition I found is in one of my Bible concordances titled, Dictionary of Bible Themes. Humility, a prominent Christian grace. It is a state of mind well-pleasing to God. It preserves the soul in tranquility and makes us patient under trials. I also did a word search in the NIV Bible for the word humble or humility, and it reveals a number of passages that address this subject. As I read some of the passages Listen to what the biblical authors had to say about humility. My default Bible translation is the NIV, but I liked the Good News Bible translation for the way it translated the first reading from Proverbs. But the balance of the other readings are from the NIV translation. Listen to the reading from Proverbs, chapter 16, verses 18 through 19. Pride leads to destruction and arrogance to downfall. It is better to be humble and stay poor than to be one of the arrogant and get a share of their loot. The next reading I chose comes from Psalms. And this is uh, Psalm number 147, verse 6. The Lord sustains the humble, but casts the wicked to the ground. I was curious what the original author in, intended for his readers to hear. I did a word study for the word sustains, and the definition of the original Hebrew word is to surround, embrace, or help up. Interesting that I found this word was used only four times in the entire Bible, and all four occurrences are in the Psalms. The author of this psalm is certainly conveying the importance that God places on humility. Now listen to the words of the prophet Isaiah as he lets his people know what God had instructed him to say about humility. This reading is found in Isaiah chapter 66, verse 2. 
Has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. These are the ones I look on with favor. Those are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. The NIV translators used the word humble and contrite and tremble. I did a word study on those words, and it reveals the definition of the original Hebrew words and what the author intended and what the earliest Jewish audiences would have envisioned. I'm going to paraphrase what they would have heard and seen in their mind's eye. And here's the paraphrase. Those who are without property, poor, wretched, and crippled, and broken in spirit, and who are anxious and frightened at my word. Well, I don't know about you, but that is not how I would have interpreted those words. We need to remember that the literacy rate at the time the original scroll of Isaiah was written was very low. The Jewish people would have typically heard readings from their leaders when they went to synagogues to worship. The biblical authors quite often use words that would have painted a very vivid picture for the people listening in the audience. Word, stu word study is something I found to be very important, and I give a lot of credit to the folks at Bible Project for making me aware of the cultural and historical importance of words the original authors used. This has also been a big help in living into our church's vision of learning, loving, living God's word. In the book of Philippians, Paul delivers his own testimony on the meaning of his present life, encourages his readers and instructs them on living in harmony with others and in obedience to God. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, Paul speaks to imitating Christ's humility. And here's the reading. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even on a cross. Even though Paul's letters quite often had an authoritative and at times even boastful tone to them, Paul also had to practice being humble. In some respects, he had to practice what he preached. Humility in general is a highly valued and, according to many scholars, is treated as a prime virtue in Paul's letters to the Philippians. 
There Paul urges the Philippians to do nothing out of selfish, selfish ambition, but to place the interest of others ahead of their own. He associates this self-effacing attitude with having the mind of Christ. Jesus did not exploit his prerogatives as one who was equal with God, but emptied himself and humbled himself by becoming obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Many scholars have noted that what Paul calls humility in Philippians is similar to what he calls love in other letters. You know, we all have that friend or relative that we admire for their humble nature. Selflessness appears to be second nature to them, and they always appear to be so happy and at peace. How can they be so happy and at peace when they're working so hard to serve others through their humble nature? Well, it's because what we consider to be hard work or an imposition is a habit born out of love and service. God's original plan was to have humanity serve him by loving and serving each other. Well, that plan was derailed by humans in the Garden of Eden. That moment when Adam and Eve sinned is called the fall, and it is also referred to as original sin that humanity has inherited. That's what makes it so difficult to be humble. Our family has a weekly tradition we call family night, usually scheduled for Monday or Tuesday evenings. In preparation for family night, I do most of the meal planning, grocery shopping, and cooking for our family meal. Before and during our family meals, we discuss current events, um, talk about each other's highs and lows, discuss family issues, plan family trips, and mostly just enjoy each other's fellowship. And even in the past, the grown-ups have been treated to talent shows produced and directed and performed by Hannah, William, and Mae Walker. I did inherit my love of cooking from my grandmother, Gamma. Gamma was one of the most humble role models I have ever known. The nearest Gamma ever came to a complaint was her oft-repeated statement at the end of a long day. And I quote, a woman's work is never done, end quote. I was too young to appreciate the all-encompassing meaning of her statement when I was growing up, but now I get it. About 12 years ago, one hot and humid Monday evening after our family had left, and I was standing over the sink washing dishes, I made a very selfish statement that went something like this. I worked my fingers to the bone, shopping, prepping, and serving supper today. And now I have to clean up without any offer of help in doing the dishes. Hmm. I can promise you I did not learn that complaining behavior from Gamma. See, Gamma knew the secret to not ruining the previous three hours of family fellowship was not to toss out a self-centered complaint about washing the dishes. I was really going to let 15 minutes of dishwashing ruin the previous three hours of family time? I would have had not been for a very short and succinct statement by my observant, smart, wise, and loving wife, Laurel. As I stood at the sink complaining that no one offered to help, Laurel brought me back to reality with just six words. 
And I quote, it is not all about you, end quote. Was I originally hurt by her statement? Yeah. Did I ponder her statement and change my self-centered behavior? You bet. I am ashamed to admit I even thought, much less uttered, this self-centered statement, but very thankful that Laurel helped me down off of my self-pity pedestal. I have many family members and friends, both living and departed, that are constant examples and reminders of what selfless living is all about. All of humanity does have one humble example in common, and that would be Jesus Christ. How much more humble could one be than to wash another's feet and then give his life for us on the cross? The least we can do is offer our thanks by giving some of our God-given love to others that need our help. One faith-based blogger that I follow is Edie Wadsworth. The following are some of Edie's paraphrased thoughts from a blog of hers on being more concerned about helping others. She goes on to say, We could eliminate or cure 90% of our petty insecurities and self-centeredness if we spend our time worrying about someone else's needs, burdens, and struggles instead of being so turned in on ourselves. Edie says after consciously trying to do this over the last couple of years, her tendency to be self-absorbed does not die easily. But with practice and intention, slowly, over time, our self-centeredness begins to melt away as we devote that energy to those family members and friends who need our time and love and care. Here's what C.S. Lewis had to say about humility. Humility is not thinking less about yourselves, but thinking about yourself less. You know, this current season we are living in has all the ingredients for a perfect recipe of self-absorption. The pandemic we're living in, the current social unrest, as well as the divisiveness of the upcoming election, can be very tiring and make, make us anxious, all which tends to make us less humble. What would it look like if we viewed these unsettling times as an opportunity to humble ourselves by helping others? Let's strive to live into God's original plan by praising him, by selflessly tending to, loving, and caring for one another. Let us pray. Dear Lord and most loving God, let us always be mindful of the needs of others and help us to do something about it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And I'll leave you with this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Go in peace. Serve the Lord.